Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Everyone. Good to be here. I apologize. I've got a lot going on this weekend. I don't think your mic is on. Tap it. Thank you, sir. Sorry for my time. Got a lot going on this, this weekend, actually, so I appreciate the patience of the commission and of you, this audience. Good to have you here. Good to be here. Mr. Brown, has the meeting been properly appetized? Uh, yes, sir, it has. Thank you, sir. We appreciate that. Uh, let's stand now. Mr. Mosley, can I ask you again, sir, to lead us in our prayer and our pledge? Did what stand? Let us pray. Kind and gracious Father, we thank you for this beautiful day and all your bountiful blessings. Father God, we thank you for all that you do for us on a daily basis. We ask that, Father God, that you give this deliberative body uh, divine insight and wisdom as they transact the business of this community. We continue to lift you up and give you the praise. We pray for those who are struggling as they go through this COVID-19 crisis. Pray that you be with them and strengthen them. This we thank you for in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Pledge allegiance yes, to, to the, the flag, flag of the United, United States, States of America and to the republic which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Commissioners, while we're standing, let's go down for some award presentations. What is you may be seated? Feel like I'm directing the choir. <laughs> let's go down for the award presentation. Good evening, Chairman and Council, or sorry, Chairman and uh, Commissioners. Um, it's been a very long 24 hours for me. Um, I come before you tonight with uh, Crystal Hensler, as you're aware, the Director of EMS on July 8th of this year. Uh, Liberty County Emergency Services was dispatched to a report of a vehicle accident um, out off of Leeward Cofer Road at Rogers Pasture. Um, this vehicle accident was highly intensified quickly uh, based off of the impact into a diesel tank um, entrapment. And luckily, we had some good Samaritans that decided to stop. Um, without these good Samaritans, there would have been two fatalities. Um, so with complete disregard for their safety and putting another fellow human being before themselves, is the reason why mom is, I believe, released from the hospital and her daughter um, is still got a road in front of her, but she's still here with us. So um, I would like to invite Mr. Sua up here. Uh, Mr. Sua works for the Liberty County Board of Commissioners. Um, he, was, he works for Solid Waste. Um, and you were leaving solid waste, uh, getting ready to move to another site, um, saw the accident, got out, and he went and helped another gentleman um, with getting the patients away from the vehicle. Um, the next one. Brian Patterson. Mr. Patterson and Mr. Sua's um, sole efforts are the reason why these two are here. Um, 
Uh, they were the ones up next to the vehicle. They were the ones dragging these patients away uh, and getting them to a safe area. And then this third gentleman um, was a huge help. He, he's an, an unsung hero. I, we all know that 911 is forgotten about. They're the, the quiet public safety. Um, this man, and that's what he is in my eyes, a man, called 911, directed traffic, and sat with some patients there on the side of the road, keeping them awake until EMS arrived. Ethan? These three gentlemen that stand before you today laid the foundation for our medics to intervene and provide that life-saving care that had a minute gone by, we would have had a completely different outcome. In the field, I teach my medics that we carry the three most important things on our ambulances. That's a smile, a kindness, and sometimes handing, holding of a hand. And you three gentlemen surpassed all of that and I commend you, and I thank you. Along with that, I'd like to recognize our own medics, our firefighters, and our law enforcement that day as well. It took a group effort, and the, the mission was accomplished with the best possible outcome given the situation. So for that, I thank you. Um, this is one of our medics that was present that day on scene, and on behalf of Liberty County EMS, we can't thank you enough. Your bravery will go on, not, but there's no words. There's truly no words. Three rescue. <laughs> All right. Count of three, Liberty County proud. One, two, three. Count of three, Liberty County Proud. One, two, three.
some of the citizens that we have in our community. We really appreciate the act of heroism uh, when people move without even thinking about themselves as unselfish. Uh, it makes such a great difference. And, and, and I'm sure that the uh, person who you guys assisted are uh, more than grateful for your assistance because you're right there still getting someone and they're recovering. But uh, sometimes we look for people in uniform and do what you do, but without uniform, Sure, now and go home. <laughs> Chairman and commissioners, the one last thing I do got for you, for all of y'all, is uh, recruit class one. I'm actually leaving here to go to dress rehearsal. Um, but our graduation is tomorrow night, 6.30, at the Performing Arts Center, and I would like to formally invite all of y'all to attend. This will be your uh, first recruit class that has come through for Liberty County. Thank you. Good. Chief Dobby, Chair, this is the first class? Yes, sir. Are you working on the second class already? Yes, sir. We, our start date for the second class is going to be August 22nd, and we'll conclude right before uh, Christmas time frame. How does participation level look for the second class? Um, we're expecting 8 to 10, if I can get the people. Okay. Good. Good but, um, uh, HR has been working well with us. Administration has been working extremely well with us. So we're online with everything. Okay. All right. That's, that your home. That's it. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. All right. We can move on, please. By then. <sighs> Ms. Walden on, on. Good evening. Good evening. It, it is going to call in later. Yes, sir. He wants me to dial him when we get to the action. Uh, that's a hard act to follow. That's a hard act to follow. <laughs> um, you should have received your May financials in your packet, and that's what I am reporting on uh, today for you. So at the end of May, we have collected 97% of our budgeted revenues. And at the end of May, we have exhausted 85% of our budgeted expenditures. So we were holding pretty good in May. Um, 
We also had 6.8 months of operational expenditures and undesignated and unreserved fund balance. One year ago this time, it was 6.4. So again, we're right in line, a little bit ahead of where we were last year. There are a couple of departments, as you have been um, informed prior to this, that have either exhausted their budget or will exhaust their budget by the time we close June. And as you know, um, law, the, the law department that accumulates all of our legal expenses has exhausted their budget, um, will be over budget for the year end. Um, judicial administration, where your court reporters are, they too have exhausted their budget. Um, the Bureau of Standards, they have, they are almost <laughs> exhausted their budget, but there are savings in the other sheriff's departments to cover that. And when we true up year-end, everything at year-end, they'll be fine. Um, same thing with the coroner. There was the unbudgeted purchase of the coroner vehicles that we will have to do in a, uh, an amendment for at year-end. And then debt service uh, for the payments of the new enterprise lease and for the payoff of the fire station loan. So when I come before you with your June report, there's probably gonna be a couple of budget amendments for things that were not budgeted that we technically by law should amend your budget for. One of them is the payoff of that um, fire station loan with the bond proceeds. Mm -hmm. Because that hits your general fund, we have to go ahead and amend your budget. So that's a good thing. Um, Revenues and solid waste, we've achieved about 94% of those revenues. Um, exhausted about 85% of expenditures. We have not posted fourth quarter depreciation yet. We are still in the, in the process of close, closing the month of June. We typically, during the months of July and August, we have two years open. We only do a soft close. So for those two months in July and August, we're posting things to both fiscal years this fiscal year that we just started and prior fiscal year, depending on when the service was rendered and what period uh, that expense falls into. Um, all of your departments within so solid waste are operating within their budget, so they're all doing very well. Um, sales tax continues to look wonderful. Uh, May collections were $275,000 over budget, so to date, we are already $4.48 million ahead of schedule, looking really good. Um, TSPLOS, the same thing. We were budgeted to, we, our budget was to receive 886, we received 947. So to date, we're about $356,000 ahead of schedule on TSPLOS as well. Sales tax continues to do extremely well. Have you heard any predictions on that, anyone? You know, it's, it's hard. We've seen double-digit growth in our sales tax, and it's crazy to think that that would continue, but it seems to continue. Every time you're thinking it's going to slow down, it'll come back down, it just continues to come in. Here in other areas of the state also enjoying the same... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's... Like I said before, I think one of the big things that happened over a year ago was the Internet sales, as I mentioned, um, but still, I mean, it's just, you would never know that <laughs> we're, we're in a, a potentially financial inflationary period with the way that sales tax continues to come in. 
Um, as I mentioned, we haven't closed the month of June, but I did want to just give you a, a little bit of highlight for the month of June. Um, as And I said, we've, we haven't finished capturing all of the June expenses. However, to date, as of today, um, we had budgeted $42.5 in expenditures, and we've spent $42.2 So we have almost 300000 that we still have. Um, so we, we've stayed under budget. Hopefully that will continue. Of course, like I said, we need to amend our budget for some of those items that I mentioned earlier. Um, Revenue-wise, we've actually exceeded our budgeted revenues, which is going to help us because we had originally budgeted to spend about $1.7 of fund balance, and it looks like that might not happen at all because our, our revenues have come in about so far about $687,000 more than we budgeted. And with a little bit of savings and expenditures together, we didn't have to use all of that fund balance that we had originally thought we would for those one-time capital purchases. So things are looking good. I can't guarantee it'll stay that way by the time we do close the month of June. And as I said, we'll probably close the month of June towards the end of August. So um, I will probably come before you in August with your July, but I won't have the final June numbers yet. You don't, you don't know of any big ticket items that... I'm not aware of any big ticket items, and in our <sighs> department head meetings, I have stressed the importance um, to all of those department heads that if they are aware of invoices or vendors who have not billed for services already rendered, to please reach out to those. Inevitably, it happens every year that in the months of September and October, after we've already closed the month of June, we'll continue to see invoices. I mean, it's happened 21 years I've been here. It, it means some things just don't change. But I don't, I, I'm not aware of any large big ticket items. Make it out all right, then. I believe so. Looking good. good all I have, unless somebody has any specific You, you did well question. behind that, of course. I mean, that was tough. <laughs> <laughs> right? Let's see how well Mr. Long is All right. <laughs> Good evening. Um, I should, everybody should have a copy of my status report. Uh, a couple things I want to talk about. The pavement marking package. Uh, they haven't started marking the page, pavement yet, but they have been working on the shoulders out on Islands Highway where they messed them up. Uh, they did get some dirt out. We need some more dirt, so we're working to get them to continue to uh, correct Islands Highway. Um, Miller Park Fire Station is underway. Um, the recreation park improvements a little bit of a stall right now, uh, waiting on Georgia Power to move a couple of poles. Uh, they're looking to try and do us for free as so because of the load we would have with the pavilion that's going out there. I'm just not sure that it's going to be enough juice in the pavilion to warrant moving it all for free, but we're going to try to cross that bridge and, and wrap that up. Uh, they don't fix it up tomorrow. We're going to just go ahead and force close it on Monday and, and go ahead and move as far as getting the poles moved. So we can get the contractor going on that. Solid Waste uh, Convenience Center, is uh, their start date is July 25th. So they should be getting started on that pretty shortly. Um, the water systems are going well. I should be going to bid uh, next month with Lewis Frazier. I'm expecting some comments or approvals from the water system from EPD here pretty shortly. So other than that, uh, those are the main things I wanted to 
talk about tonight, unless y'all have any questions for us. Questions for Mr. Long, Commissioners? And I have sidewalk stuff to talk to you about afterwards. I'm sorry? I have some things to talk to you about sidewalks. Okay, after. great, thank you. Chair, thank you. <clears throat> Just want to let them know about we got the notification about the bridge on yes. Lewis Frazier. Yeah, there is a uh, public hearing out for the uh, bridge work that's on uh, Lewis Frazier Road. Uh, there's you know, the bridge over Peacock Canal. Um, DOT is in the public hearing section of it right now. So I think it closes on the 25th? 29th. 29th. Okay. Thank you very much. from Liberty Regional over here. Good to have you over. Yeah. Good to see you all. Trent's just a tad bit taller than me, so I'll bring the mic down. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for the opportunity to come and give a uh, health care update. It's been uh, quite a bit since I've been here. Um, as uh, you all know, we've... Um, had some um, little lockdown situations. Um, unfortunately, where I work at the hospital, we're open 24-7, 365, and it just uh, continues. So, um, But I do appreciate the opportunity to let you know a little bit of um, what's going on, and um, I'll jump right in. Um, obviously, we can't um, really say um, anything without the challenges that everybody's had. So we know it's not just a healthcare system. But, of course, the COVID pandemic has just really taken a toll on a lot of things. So, um, you know, March of 2020, when we got the phone call that certain services had to shut down and we had to kind of get our arms around now working in a pandemic, no one, I would say, anticipated that it would have gone on this long. We continue today to pet, uh, test people. Um, you know, in our um, uh, county, we have a low... Um, vaccination rate so at the hospital we still have to wear masks so it's nice being kind of outside and not having a mask on and being able to speak um, but our booster rate especially uh, when I checked yesterday was like 32 percent for the county and so you know there is a lot of data out there of preventing the severe illnesses with the COVID um, we actually have a different strand coming um, but we're testing people every day and have uh, plenty of people positive. We're fortunate that the symptoms are a lot less, but we are um, hopeful that maybe that's part of the vaccination that we do have in place and then people getting the booster. So I think you can be very proud of your local hospital during the uptick of COVID uh, last year. For seven weeks and two days, the organization was at a 200% capacity 200% capacity. We're licensed for 25 beds. We kept 51, 52 inpatients, majority of them on cots or hospital beds in the emergency room and in the halls. And we took care of everybody that came in that needed care. And I think you can be quite proud of that. There was not one organization accepting patients. Those patients would not have made it if it would not have been for us to be here locally and open our doors and give them the care that they um, deserved. And um, I'm quite proud of the staff for everything that they've done during those times because it was care that as a community hospital is not normally given. They're normally identified as too sick and they get transferred, but we didn't have that option. So I know um, everybody's quite um, proud of that. 
The other item that, of course, we have, and we know we're not the only ones, but um, recruitment. It is very, very difficult to recruit uh, to sometimes, um, you know, as um, Commissioner Chairman Lovett likes to say, don't say we're small, but we're smaller than some. And so sometimes we do compete with either physicians or staff working in Savannah or working in some of the larger areas. And so a challenge uh, that we have is not only for providers, but also staff. And it's not just clinical staff. You know, a lot of people like to say there's a nursing shortage. Well, there's a lab shortage. I keep trying to nudge some people to come back out of retirement and work, but um, haven't quite made that uh, recruitment yet. Okay. <laughs> the other is the workforce shortages. And of course, you see signs everywhere. We're hiring, we're hiring, we're hiring. We understand we're no different. However, we still have the volume to take care of, and so we end up reverting to travelers. And a lot of our own staff has taken the opportunity for this time to maybe do something different and take a, a traveler's uh, position. And they will come back, but for how many ever weeks they might be in Texas or somewhere else um, doing traveling, nursing, um, or you know whatever it might be. The regulatory uh, burdens for healthcare were already very stringent. And of course they need to be because of the business that we're in. But with on top of a pandemic, they are then even more so. We report everything, everything and then some. Um, the other challenge is out migration. We continue to look at all of our product lines and identify the services that we have at our local hospital. And we know that a lot of people in our county continue to drive by our local hospital and they seek services for the services that we offer here at either Savannah or um, other nearby hospitals. And so that's something that we continue to try to address. The other is freestanding emergency department. So we have a for-profit hospital in Savannah that is um, put in to open up a freestanding emergency department in Richmond Hill. And our emergency room and our Midway Clinic that we have opened to serve people in that area, they would then draw those patients. Of course, their application is for paying patients, not the indigent care. And then that's about a $1.4 million hit to us if they then are successful at that. So we have been in hearings and have filed multiple appeals for the last two years of trying to compete against a freestanding emergency department going up in Bryan County and taking our business away. So those are just a couple of the highlights of challenge. With this, uh, amongst everything and then some, we've had some uh, great improvements in the organization where we have been able to recruit an additional primary care physician. We have a wonderful internal medicine physician, Dr. Anna Speltz. Um, she has um, been with us, August will be a year, and she is a little bit shorter than me. There's not too many times I can say that, so I like to put that plug in. But she is a dynamic uh, physician. She is a great listener, uh, very caring, and she loves rural health care. So we're excited to have her as part of our team. Uh, we now provide oncology services. If you look at our health data in our county, we have a tremendous amount of cancer. And so people were having to travel. And if you've ever 
either been involved in it or have been aware of someone for treatment. That is not a treatment that you want to travel 45 minutes for to go for treatment and then back. And so within that, uh, we opened up an infusion center, an on-site pharmacy, and then have uh, partnered to have an oncology hematology practice. And we're very fortunate to offer that for um, our county. We have expanded cardiology services because that's the next one on the list for if you look within the health outcomes, cardiology, we like that fried chicken, we like those other items because that's what we do, but we have a lot of cardiology and then of course that affects people having strokes. And so we've had so much volume that we were able to expand our cardiology services. During all of this time, we've opened up a retail pharmacy. We did it for also a program because if you've ever been a patient in a hospital, the last thing you want to do when you're discharged is go by the pharmacy and pick up your meds that you have to have. You're ready to get home, right? Mm -hmm. So we opened up a meds to beds program for all of our patients being discharged. So as they're going out the front door, we're able to handle their prescriptions. We believe that'll help our patients be more compliant taking their medication because if you got to make that extra trip, might not put that as your priority. So we've got that, but also we opened it for our team members. We work a 12 hour shift by the time you drive to work, get to work, get settled, you worked your 12 hours, and then you drive back home, the last thing you want to do is go by and pick up your own or your family's prescriptions. So we did it for our team members also as well. But we also did it for the community. We're able to pass on a lot of savings to people because of the way that we buy certain um, drugs. The other is capital renovation and repair. So I ended up uh, coming to the organization in 2019. And the organization had really struggled for several years, not being able to give raises, but also not addressing certain capital needs. No equipment, just as computers, remain the same. They get outdated. So does other equipment in radiology, in our operating room, cardiopulmonary services for our heart program, things like that. So we've been very fortunate that one of our opportunities is we've been able to make some um, improvements so that we are able to purchase some of the equipment that's um, been needed. The next one, which these numbers are real small, and I'm sure, um, does everybody have a copy of this, Joey? Okay, okay, so y'all can uh, read it. But you can see where um, we put up 19, 20, and 21. So you can see where our gross revenue um, has been. Um, and has um, increased. Of course, you know, a lot of that uh, gross revenues because our um, a lot of that's volume, but also we look at our charge master to make sure that we're within market to be able to see what we are um, charging. And then you can see where our net operating uh, revenue is actually decreased. So you have more gross and less net. And then you can go down to see what has happened to the expenses. There's been a huge increase from 2020 of 45 million to almost 49 million in 2021. Most of that is because of the travelers that we've having to pay between nurses, LPNs, and nurses aides. Uh, we've had respiratory therapists. So especially during our uptick, when we had a lot of people, you know, last year's uh, year was the year of resignations. People were tired. They were scared of a pandemic and to work in that. 
You know, I had uh, had an older father that passed away a couple of years ago, but I was scared to work at the hospital and then go home to my 90-year-old father and fear that I might bring him the virus. My mom's 90 years old today. You know, we do a big scrub down, you know, before I come in. And, um, you know, but that's where a lot of workers were as well. So they left the field. So that was the year of resignation. This is the year of retirement. Some people have apps on their phone to do the countdown, I hear. However, this the year is uh, people are looking to say, I'm close to retirement, but I'm just tired. I'm just tired. It's too much regulatory uh, for health care. It's too much stress. There's a lot of mental health in the world today, more so than we have ever seen, and it is hard taking care of um, patients. But you can see where the overall expenses, so between supplies, because just as soon as you said pandemic and you say healthcare, then all of the prices for gloves, masks, gown, basic supplies, then just people took the opportunity of a price increase for those. Unfortunately, we're not able to then send that along to our customer. You know how you get some of the bills and it has a surcharge now because gas prices are higher? We don't have that opportunity. We continue to be paid or not paid as we have been in the past. So you can see where we had the improvements from 19 to 20, and we were rolling right along doing pretty good. And um, then you can see what happened in 21 of a huge loss in um, our operating loss. So we were very fortunate to have the uh, non-operating revenues. A lot of that comes from, bless you, Thank our um, um, support from the county, but it's also from other uh, grants and other opportunities that we have with Georgia Heart, and we'll talk about that a little bit. You can see where we received the um, PPP forgiveness and then um, the HARISA forgiveness as well for where our revenue and excessive expenses have been for 2021. If you look at the financial comparison on the next slide and then the next page, for our indigent care and our bad debt and our debt service. So we look at this every year and you can see, you know, the growth. So a lot of the indigent care and charity, of course, has grown this last year in 2021. The debt service has come down. We've been able to um, address um, some of that from 2020, but then also um, the debt service. But still, uh, there is a uh, chunk of there at the bottom line of the for the financial comparison between um, not as much you know movement as we would as we would like. Every year, Georgia Hospital Association does an economic impact, and they look at all hospitals in the state of Georgia, and they say, okay, what's the overall economic impact to have a hospital in your county? Because not every county has a hospital. There's been you know Georgia was the third um, to have uh, rural hospital closures. Um, the amount of rural hospital closures since 2010. Um, Texas was first, then Tennessee, and then Georgia. So you can go and drive through um, counties and see where the hospital used to be. And then you can see a lot of the empty buildings and all. So every year they do, the, what's the economic impact? So of course we have our payroll numbers and then the number of our full-time um, positions. What was the indigent for that? Then our uncompensated care. And then they allocate a factor to say, what's the revenue for local and for state economy? And what's the benefit 
So um, when you're hearing about, you know, sales tax, I was leaning over one of our board members saying, well, you know, I try to tear it up at TJ Maxx and um, Hobby Lobby, and then I swing by Chick-fil-A. I know Nick appreciates that. And, you know, you just make that big, big loop, and that, that helps everybody, right? That's what I tell my husband. The other is capital. So you can see in 2020, um, the capital that we were able to purchase, we had the big improvement from 19 to 20. And so we tried to use that wisely. And we've been trying to play catch up. Because if you looked at the graphs from uh, 17 and 18, they were uh, dismal, dismal. And so probably the two items of the organization that were not addressed as well uh, unfortunately, because of the financial constraints of the organization, were the people and were the facilities. So when you do not give raises to your employees for three years, you fall out of the market. You're not, com you're not competitive. So who wants to stay here and work here and work as hard as we work, knowing that you could go down the street and make more? That's a hard, hard line. However, we've had a great staffing group that did it for many years, and they did it because of the love for the county and for the uh, people that um, we serve. But we were then able in 19 to give a 1% raise. Well, we know that's not even adequate, right? And then just then, um, this past year, we were able to implement a 3% raise. So we've had to bring people up to um, market and be able to stay competitive. But you can't fix something that's gone on for three or four years overnight. It takes phases, right? And so we've been doing improvements along and along and along. The other is under the capital needs, if you look at all the equipment and the overall facilities and the major components, then you can see that millions you know, are needed to take care of our facility needs. So in 1998, the rehab part of our Coastal Manor um, nursing home, which we're proud to say we were one in four in the state of Georgia, they didn't have a huge outbreak. You didn't see reading us about us in the paper of how many residents were dying and what the outbreak mode was because when March of 2020 came along, we didn't lay people off. We didn't give them pay cuts. We kept everybody working. And we sent all of our extra employees to our nursing home to take care of the residents that we were committed to take care of. And I believe that's why we've had the good outcomes in um, our nursing home. But it was built in 1998 and not had much of uh, facility upkeep. And so we now have approved a $1.2 million project of just giving a good facelift because the residents, the 82 residents that live down there deserve it. And I believe everybody in here would agree, nobody's house goes unpainted since probably 1998. You got to put some fresh paint, some new fixtures up sometimes, and just freshen up the place. And so that's um, actually what we're doing. Chillers and towers, that's been an item that has been on the um, list for a while, and we're able to have approval from our hospital authority um, to be able to implement that. We have a roof that uh, needed to be replaced at um, 15 years. Um, the roof is 25 years old, so it's screaming at us to say it's old, and we have um, some opportunities there to improve that. We need to improve our medical air system, um, domestic air, water, and then we have uh, Band-Aids on Band-Aids on certain pipes because of our water. And so uh, we've been notified by 
um, several people that have looked at our needs to say if we put a water softener in, that that would help with some of the further maintenance that might be uh, need to be done. The other is equipment. Uh, we all don't like to sleep on the same mattress for um, 18 years. Neither do our patients. And so we have got not only uh, patients' mattresses, but beds that have to be replaced. And a hospital bed is pretty expensive. We have a nuclear medicine camera of over $300,000 that needs to be upgraded because we have certain tests now and the equipment's outdated and it does not do the testing on all of our patients that we need. And so you can see the scopes, the radiation detector, a mobile ultrasound, fetal monitors. I mean, we could go on and on. There's just millions of dollars. So every month we prioritize what has the greatest need and where are we? And then we're just chipping away at it one at a, uh, one at a time. One of the other opportunities is the staffing cost. And so we have just implemented to catch up with the market an over $700,000 market adjustment. Because if we don't stay up with it after we've done all this work over the last couple of years and we fall behind, then we'll have to reset again and we are in competition with others. And so we were fortunate that our hospital authority approved that and we've implemented it. And it's so we can retain all of our good team members. But you can see where we have had to pay critical staffing pay. So when we have a person that works their normal shifts and then they give us extra shifts, they of course get overtime, but then when we get to a certain point of we're not going to make it unless somebody signs up for that extra, maybe a fifth shift, then we give them an extra bump for critical staffing pay because we have to have it covered. You can see where over the $3 million um, so far between December and um, um, 618, we've paid for contract labor. That's how we've been able to survive with keeping all of our services open for our registered nurses, our LPNs, our respiratory therapists, um, and our um, CNAs at our nursing home. You can see over half a million dollars for overtime, and you can see what the grand total has been of almost $4 million to this point. If we annualize that, our year ends the end of November, then it'll be you know six or seven million. We work every day on staffing of what we can do for retention, what we can do for recruitment, but it has been very, very expensive. We're not the only ones. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was at Georgia Hospital Associations um, I'm on the board, and then we actually had meetings, and workforce is everyone's number one concern. This is our staffing. This is what we're budgeted. This is how many vacancies we have. You can see 26% of our vacancies. You can see how much contract. That number changes daily. It's actually 31 now because of the resignations that we've had of people um, wanting to go and travel for a while. Um, we've got our overtime hours, um, and you can see what that equates with. Um, and then you can see what our year-to-date turnover rate is. So. Part of our um, turnover rate is because we do have a lot of military spouses. And so I expect our turnover rate to be a little bit higher than others because when people get orders, then of course their spouses, you know, leave or they might be uh, deployed. And so then their spouses might go back home or something like that. But we just have too many people getting out of healthcare today and not enough people getting in, unfortunately. 
But one positive thing, Georgia tax credit, I bring this up every time I have a talk because it's free money. And if anybody was in a business and said, you can receive free money, that would catch everybody's attention. And so we, in 2016, the Senate passed this bill for the Georgia income tax credits to go to individuals and corporate taxpayers to qualified rural hospitals, and that would be Liberty Regional, no other, although there are over 50 that are on the list. But they're uh, located in Georgia, and so taxpayers can sign up for their tax credit each year so that the tax credits that you're going to pay for your state taxes instead of going to Atlanta, Georgia, and 82% staying in Atlanta, Georgia, you can actually come back and support your local rural hospital. And so a lot of those other funds, that's what we get. We get a lot from people from Savannah because they see a benefit of that. So why not appreciate where your tax money is going? The other is from um, Atlanta. A lot of people in Atlanta um, take the opportunity. And then we have our own, uh, of course, employees. But I will tell you the opportunity is for Liberty County to get involved in this. So anybody that looks on their check and sees a Georgia tax, you could have that stay local. And I think that's a great opportunity for everybody. So. Um, we have uh, where in 2022, the 60 million cap was met July 1st because they knew all what um, um, hospitals have been through. And actually in 2023, they've raised the cap to 75 million. So the state has decided $75 million of their state taxes now can go to rural hospitals. Mm -hmm. We can actually receive up to 2 million from individuals and 2 million from corporations. Now, what we could do with $4 million, I have a whole list that I'll tell you. We could take care of a lot of those facilities, and we could catch up on some things. And we would not need as much assistance from the county if we had that free money. So consider that as an opportunity. If you need further information, we have applications. You can go online, give me a call, anything I can do to help um, get people to understand. Because uh, if anybody from... Um, the state of Georgia says, I have free money for you. That usually perks people's ears up. Last but not least, thank you for your continued support. So these have been tough times. I've been in healthcare since I've been in high school because I was crazy enough when my mom said, what are you gonna do? I said, I have no idea. She said, well, I work at the hospital, come work there and you'll find you a job. I've been there ever since. <laughs> I love healthcare. I believe it's a service. I believe it's almost being called into uh, like people get called into the ministry. I think certain people get called into um, health care as well. But I will tell you, this has been the two toughest years that I've ever seen in health care. However, I'm very, very proud of our organization of how they've withstood during this time. And we continue to do it day in and day out to take care of the citizens of Liberty. Any questions? Any questions for Ms. Mann? Comment, I'm happy to see you uh, be here then. Close to some TLC. Amen. That's true. Very much needed. Yeah. We're going to have a re-grand opening as soon as it gets finished. And so we've got a section of, you know, we closed the room since the census is a little bit lower. They have new flooring, new paint, new beds, new lights, new bathrooms. 
it's really going to look nice. So I'm excited. So we'll make sure everybody gets an invite to our uh, re-grand opening um, for that facility. We'll begin to show some wear and tear, and I know how much of a benefit it has been to Liberty Regional bottom line. So Absolutely. Ms. Sherry, mm -hmm. uh, I, I just have a, a, a few questions real quick. Uh, again, I, I appreciate you all coming in front of us uh, whenever you all do to give us an update. Because, mm -hmm. uh, of course, you know, dealing with health care, uh, especially in any community, that, that helps a community be more progressive and, and it helps the whole scheme of everything whenever you're dealing with economic uh, development as well. So I appreciate everything you all do. Uh, I, earlier in your presentation, you did uh, discuss about the traveling nurses. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have a few people in my family uh, who are in the medical field, so I understand the temptation on, on going to do traveling nurses. You know, uh, so I know we have, what percentage is leaving? Do, do you have that percentage of, of how many are, are just leaving to, to do traveling nursing? So we have an overall turnover rate of about 30%. Right. So I would say out of that 30%, probably 10%. Okay. And so we've gotten creative to say, don't travel. Let me do an internal contract with you. So if you live here, do you know what gas is? So that's going to eat up some of that money. Do you really want to work away from your family and live out of a suitcase? So we've gotten creative to say, don't go through an agency. Talk to us. Because your agency is going to take 40% of that money. That's what the state has found. Mm -hmm. Because the governor now has created a workforce task force for health care. And that's what they have, one of the very first things that they've realized is that agencies charge the hospital and 40% is going into the agency's pocket, not the individual's. Right. So but their let's, checks are let's still close, pretty big, though. That is, that is <laughs> but let's close that gap. So I, I, if I you will give right. me a certain amount, then don't travel, stay local, right. help us get through this until we can recruit, and then they will sign an internal contract with us. Right. And so we have a handful of those, because I'd rather people stay local than me go and feed another hospital somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. So mm -hmm. I, I guess you, you, you answered that question, because that's what I was getting to with that as well. And I, I know last time uh, you all came, we had a discussion as well about indigent care. Yes. And uh, I'm, I'm looking back at the numbers from, you know, from 2018 to 2021. Mm -hmm. And a fluctuation from 2019, it was around uh, 1.8. And then in 2020, it decreased. But then in 2021, it, it started headed back a little north. Uh, how, how do you feel we're headed to now? Are we, are we still increasing or... I think we're increasing, um, unfortunately, because a lot of people don't want to work. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a lot of applications, but we have a lot of people that don't show up for interviews. Right. <laughs> um, and we have where in 2020, our numbers probably um, decreased because our overall uh, numbers, because we shut down. Okay. Right. So a lot of our outpatient and our um, elective we had to shut them down. We were mandated to. So that's where people then that were uncompensated, they couldn't get the service because the government wouldn't allow us to give it. Right. So a lot of that's the, the number of decrease. Right, understood. But I, I was just, even if you compare from 2018 to 2020, 
uh, in 2018, it was roughly around 1.2. Right. And then 2019, it went up to 1.8. And then 2020, it went back down. So I, I, I'm just trying to figure out, because I remember last time you all came and we were talking, having the same discussion about the rural hospitals and and I, I made a suggestion that, that we get a co coalition together mm -hmm. so we could kind of fight that in Atlanta. Right. Uh, have you all made any steps to figure out a coalition with that? So I'm on every board that anybody will listen to me. Um, you know, I have a couple of um, senators that are in the governor's office, and I was um, up there recently because I'm on the um, workforce um, not the big um, designated by the governor, but the smaller group that got together to say, what are your needs? Mm -hmm. um, and so I've been um, participating on that. And the last time that I was in Atlanta, one of the senators said, um, Timmy, we, we want you to come back when you really have some passion for this. And they all started laughing. Right. You know? <laughs> so, um, you know, we have uh, people that will uh, listen. Rural health care is different. It is different than the metropolitan areas. It just it just is. I think the I think the change from 18 to 19 was you know the Affordable Care Act. Everybody thought, oh, go to the marketplace. Everybody's going to then have health care. Well, we all know that didn't work. A lot of people then couldn't afford it, didn't get it, or they didn't keep it. They'd get it one month and then they would fall off. But then the um, the high deductibles came into play. We have some people that come in and they know they're not going to pay for service because they have to have $5,000 for their deductible. Mm -hmm. And so we'll set up payment plans. And we do have um, other things in place that people mm -hmm. can, you know, get assistance and, and all for. But I think our, I mean, we, we know um, the majority of the out-migration because we run our market share. Actually, Georgia Hospital Association does it for every county. Mm -hmm. and we run it by zip code. And a lot of the paying business, the commercial business, people that have insurance for surgery, 80% is leaving our county. Right. I was going to get to that, too. <laughs> we, uh... So if that would stay local, that would help us all. Right. And, and I'm, I'm going to be uh, honest about a lot of things. It's, uh, a lot of it's per perception. Yes, sir. Uh, and marketing. Yes, sir. Oh, and, and that's not just with the hospital. That's with Liberty County entirety. Yes, sir. You know, from, from the Board of Education to us to the city, it's more of, of the perception and the marketing to try to, uh, to change how people perceive us. That, yes, sir. That we don't have to go to Savannah for from, you know, for medical or to even family entertainment. That's but right. But the point is we, we have been conditioned for so long that we have to go to Savannah to get anything right. other than groceries. Right. So that that's something that hopefully this year as well, you know, at our countywide workshop that we truly focus on. Right. On changing the entire perception of Liberty County from the medical economic opportunities and health care. Well, and um, some of the data that we just received, which parts of it, you're like, you know, can this even be true? But it's the state's data, so it is what it is. But we have over 700 births from our county that go to Savannah to be delivered. Majority of them are young. We have a young population. Uh, see, now we're talking. Absolutely. So we have a young right. population. 
and they're first-time moms, and they're scared mm -hmm. to go to a small community hospital because, in speaking to them, if my baby gets sick, the baby can't stay here. It gets transferred to Savannah, so I want to be where my baby is. That's their perception. Right. And, 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 it, and so that's 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 going to be part of it that we're going to have to overcome. Right, right. And I, I think, you know, it's going to have to be a collective between all entities. Uh, right. Well, and, and some people, I worked at Memorial for 30 years, and I don't have anything negative. I wouldn't work somewhere for 30 years and say anything um, negative about it or shame on me for working there for 30 years. Right. But what I will say, the Memorial that when I worked with was not the for-profit HCA that it is today. Right. And I will tell you, a for-profit system is different than a not-for-profit, and people can define however they would like. Mine is we treat everybody the same, whether you can pay or not. Right. That is not of our concern, and we take care of, of the people that we feel like we're responsible for. So sometimes people think bigger is better, but I will tell you, I've worked there. It is not. Right. When we make walk, walk the halls and know people and know who are your people and who are you and whatever, that's a connection that you're not going to get when you're a number at some big organization. Right. That's just facts. Right. Under it's just understood. a different type of care. But I agree. I think I think we have to get the perception that, you know, and Donald always says when somebody says, well, you know, it's small rural, rural Georgia. Well, we're not that small. We have a decent-sized population. Most rural hospitals would love to have the population we have. Now, you know, our last census number, I mean, y'all can address that, but... Joey, but anyway, Giannis, I mean, he's just, right. you know, but anyway, um, but whatever it might be, we're not the 8,000 rural area in, you know, this area or 14,000 in this area and, you know, all these other parts of, of Georgia. And, we have a lot of resources. And I totally understand, and it's time for us to start acting like the growing community that we are. I agree. And just like you I were agree. saying earlier, you know, the child is born. Then the child grows up, and it's time for us to try to focus on, on, on that generation. And like you said, we do have a, a younger generation here. Right. So and keeping them here and let them go off to school and know there's, and tons, of, there's tons of scholarships for them to come back and their education can be paid for. And, again, at our countywide workshop, I'll hopefully we address that. Because, right. again, a lot of times it's not just about the money. It's about the quality of life. Correct. So, again, we have to come together and focus on the quality of life here and the marketing. And also, one last thing, Ms. Chair. Mm -hmm. uh, from the 2016, uh, the tax credit yes, sir. that you were talking about. Yes, sir. To be honest with you, this is the first time I, I've ever heard about it. And that might be something that, that we might want to address and, and let more people in our community know, too. To we go to... Rotary, we have it on our website, we have it on our Facebook page. Uh, last time I was here, you know, people usually look at me like, here she goes again with that Georgia Rural right, Tax Credit. Right. But I'm telling you, there's not too many things I can offer you that's free. Yeah. That won't cost you anything. Right. And that's a direct dollar for dollar to our bottom line. And that's how we've been able to get, you know, a lot of the funds and you know, we, I would just have to commit, we will use them wisely and to the best of our ability. Right. Understood. Thank you. We, we just have to figure out how to get the word out and make it layman terms for Correct. the average citizen. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Thank you.
Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, Ms. Thank you all for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Good presentation. Thank you, board members, for coming. Mm -hmm. Government agreement. That's right, don't take out one. Evening, everybody. We have two items on the agenda relating to the SPLOST one cent sales tax. The first is approval of execution of the interim agreement we have with the municipalities within the county. I think, as you all know, our SPLOST is set to expire in March of next year. In order to reimpose it, we'll have to have the voters approved by referendum the SPLOST at an election on November the 8th. In order to do that, we have to call the election or issue a notice in the newspaper of the election. Uh, by the first week of August. Um, and so we have, Joy and I have been making our rounds to the municipalities. They have all approved the intergovernmental agreement. So it's left to you to approve the intergovernmental agreement first, and then we'll uh, consider a resolution authorizing the call of the election. But before you is the intergovernmental agreement. And as all of you know, it simply authorizes in large part allocation of the anticipated SPOS funds. And the allocation is shown on the exhibit A uh, with the county, of course, getting the lion's share. But the, the municipalities do share in those proceeds, uh, primarily b uh, based on uh, population. But all the cities have agreed to their prorated share and support the integral agreement and the SPLOS tax. So unless you have any questions, I know you folks have discussed the county's share and its allocation of SPLOS funds, but I'll be happy to answer questions that, I, that I'm able to. So, Mr. Chairman, I was just wanting to make sure the other municipalities have agreed. They've been. Yes, ma'am. You went to all their meetings and they've approved. Yes, ma'am. And the current um, list that will show up on or for the referendum has not been changed from our previous meeting. Uh, I think Brown. it's been the only ballot question. The only thing that was added, uh, not since your last meeting, though. But uh, from an original rendition was uh, the addition of the availability for Midway to do park improvements and for Walterville to also be able to do recreation improvements inside their jurisdiction right. with those funds that are allocated to them. With the funds that they, that was, yes. Listed. Okay, yes, sir. And their share hasn't changed, to my knowledge, the county's uh, purposes, eligible purposes, has not changed either. Yes, sir. Just those minor changes for eligible purposes for the cities. So, Mr. Chairman, do we need to have a motion for the, the agreement? Yes, ma'am. For the first agreement, is that what we do them first? Yes, ma'am, to approve the agreement and to authorize the chairman to sign it. Yes, Mr. Chairman, I would offer that motion for the agreement to be approved. Second. Second that we approve the agreement, intergovernmental agreement, for the further discussion. 
All those in favor, let no show of hands, please, or say aye. Aye. All those opposed? And as I mentioned, the next item, the board has to pass a resolution before you, and it simply uh, authorizes the county administrator to forward your request to the Board of Elections to call the election, and that, uh, that's simply done by publication, the legal organ, which is the Coastal Courier. So that will be accomplished next Wednesday. We'll actually call the election, notifying the public of the purposes for which SPLOST will be collected and how it will be expended and the uh, date of the election as well as the date for registration. Motion, Mr. Chairman. Yes, sir. Mr. Chairman, I make a motion that we uh, approve the resolution for the Splash 7 election. Second. Second, we approve the resolution for the Splash 7 election. Any further discussion? All those, Second. All those, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that one too. All those in favor by show of hands, I'll say it high, please. Aye. Uh, would you raise your left hand or right hand? I got them both in there. <laughs> Thank you, Commissioner Walton. Thank you for participating. Thank you, folks. Five trucks. Where's he at? No, He's gone. Oh. Oh, Mr. Mosley. Don't tell me you did the scoring. <laughs> <laughs> I was part of the scoring process. <laughs> Mr. Chairman and members of the board, um, our chief... Uh, went out to submit a uh, request for proposal out to the uh, number of on, on the website and, and the state website and our uh, website. Uh, we received a lot of inquiries from different people, but only two companies that you'll notice on the back page, and that was Fireline and Peach State submitted RPs on the, uh, uh, for the fire truck. Uh, Fireline was 698, Peach State was 645. Uh, you see the months in terms of 1.8 for Fireline in terms of building the truck and Peach State 1.3 months. Uh, and those were the scores that we scored uh, on the fire truck. And we uh, recommend that Peach State be awarded uh, the bid in the amount of 647761 Mr. Chairman, I had a question concerning this. Is This is just a regular truck? This is not a ladder truck? Just meant regular fire truck. Regular fire truck. Okay. Is that something we're going to be looking at in the future, or have we just need to do an assessment? Do we need the ladder truck? And there was some discussion on that we've at a previous meeting. We've actually put in for a federal grant for the ladder truck, waiting to hear back from that. Okay. We do have mutual aid agreements with jurisdictions that have ladder availability, which, um, while not being as good on ISO ratings because of that, mm -hmm. do satisfy an ISO requirement that we have ladder truck availability. But the short answer to your question, yes, ma'am, that's something we're looking at. Okay. For future purpose. And, and if we keep on, we can't just say, look, we're going to have to bite the bullet bite the bullet, and go ahead and get it. Because like I said the other day, our fire rating is going up as we build higher buildings and more buildings and industries. Mm -hmm. and that's why I say sometimes we need to figure out how we can go to these industries and ask them for help. You can't be ashamed to go ask these industries for help, for help when we were trying to provide and protection for them and their employees. The, uh, ladder I believe truck. that they will help if we go ask. And okay. the ladder truck is in the CIP. Is it, this engine is needed before that ladder. Would this be at the new station? Uh, this oh, we don't is going to go into service immediately. At I mean, it's needed now. Right, okay. At one of the regular stations, and there will be some shuffling of equipment when the new station is built. 
other note there, um, I think while while we wish it was 1.3 months, it's years. It's years. It's yeah, I was looking at 13 months. Yeah. 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 It, <laughs> Oh, I, I, it's, I already, it was, it's, it's a process. Was in the wrong spot. Yeah, <laughs> and that's why they were that the fire chief wanted to go ahead and get this before the board to approve it because it's taken so long to uh, construct these uh, trucks. But, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> how many how many stations do we have can shelter a ladder truck except for the one that we're building now? It'll actually a quint will fit in the one at Islands. Quint it, it, it was sized to be able to handle a quint. It won't go in Lake George, will it go in Gum Branch? Won't go in Lake George or Gum Branch, no, sir. Don't think so. Not, not either one, which is not where it would be needed anyway. Which and what we're looking at, a 75 or a 50 foot? 55 foot? Don't remember. I can find out. I'll, I'll get the grant information. Let's, let's make sure we're doing it right. Oh, we will. Mm -hmm. Sure. Okay. Joey. Yes, sir. Anything else? Uh, got this truck as an action item and then have a lease with independent troops. We'll move expeditiously. Yes, Mr. Chairman. We'll yeah. move quickly. I'm, I'm make, uh, Mr. Chairman, I'll make a motion that we go ahead with the, uh, what was it, the, uh, I don't have a copy of it in front of me. Peace State. Peace, peace State. Peace State with the amount shown. Second. $45,761. Yes, sir. Yeah. No more. 18, 13 months delivery. Yes, sir. <laughs> All in favor, I show hands, please. I'll say aye. Aye. Both hands. All right. Least liberty independent truth. Mr. Chairman, I don't think that was 13 months. It was one, a year and three months. What, what, is that what, that 1.3? 13. Is it 13? 13 months, right? 13 months. Mm -hmm. A little over a year. That's what 1.3 months mean? Well, he said they made, they made it for the decimal point. Who made you do that? Wait, wait. Did they have a gun? Okay. <laughs> Mr. Chairman, uh, the uh, item before you on the lease agreement is just a renewal of the continued lease for Liberty Independent Troop Corporation uh, for lease that area around the Recreation Department and the uh, National Guard Armory there. Uh, it is a one-year period of time lease, which is what uh, Liberty uh, wanted to try to do. It is for the same amount. Uh, as before, so that has not, nothing has changed. Just a simple renewal of the lease. Yes, Mr. Chairman, I make a motion. We approve the lease with so, Independence Troop as presented. Second. Second, we approve the lease with the Independence Troop. I would like to discuss a longer lease if they would open to that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a good deal. I, uh, any further discussion on that? All in favor, by show of hands, please. I'll say aye. 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 Mr. Chairman, there was, there was one other thing uh, before just the administrative overview that, that came to us uh, actually yesterday. Some of you are familiar with it. Uh, the city has a grand opening of its Bravel Park this weekend. As such, has a splash pad. Uh, the splash pad, just like <laughs> pools, required a, requires a certified pool operator uh, to be able to, to oversee that. So the city's reached out to see if the county would be amenable to letting our pool operator uh, at least this season be able to do that so there's an MOU before you that was put there before the meeting uh, no cost obviously just to oversee that opening for this season and then it expires uh, whenever they get their certification process finished which is which you're working on now or by May 1st 2023 but it's anticipated that certification will come pretty quickly and our recommendation is uh, to go ahead and prove it mr. chairman I would make a motion for approval Second. 
They're going to have so much fun. Those kids. Walden, did you want to be excused? Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. uh, Tell everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Walden. Yes, sir. sir. I I know it might be an incorrect time, but I just want to piggyback on this Mr. Brown mentioned about the Saturday um, ribbon cutting or whatever. We've got the ribbon cutting tomorrow in Riceboro, Georgia, for the Headstock facility. First one ever been built ground up in 58 years it's at 12 o'clock and it did not cost liberty county taxpayers one cent beautiful facility mr chairman the other thing that has come uh is the call from accg for the legislative legislative leadership conference business session uh as you know the board is required to appoint an official uh to represent its stature down there at ACCG, so that's for board consideration. I need to get that back to them. That uh, business session is scheduled for Thursday, September 29th. Commissioner Stevens is also. Okay. I'll take it. Uh, just a couple other quick updates to let you know some uh, just a couple things that have come before you one is we're going to uh, have to work on our intergovernmental agreement for roadway maintenance and other services with the small municipalities i know y'all have been wanting to do that we, we're absolutely going to have to do it there's some things in it now that we've run across uh, pursuant to some of the things other than roads that we provide to those cities uh, in this case, animal control services, that there's just some tweaks in the ordinance provisions in here that need to be made so that as stuff is addressed, state laws are addressed inside those municipalities, that we have an active agreement that reflects. So some of this is basically language changes, but along with anything else that y'all may want to change also. So I just want to let you know, we'll be working on that, come to you with a draft, and then of course, get your input on any other items in there you want to try to address at the same time. To do that. We, we do need to add um, street sweeping. I think that's something that when that was um, when that agreement was first formed, I guess um, we didn't we didn't we didn't have street sweeping back then. But we we do offer that now. And I was um, approached by Mayor Baker in Walthyville the other day, and I told him that we we'll, that we're working on it. Okay, Mr. Chairman. Um, I'm not sure if this is the time for this question or comment, but we had, um, I think, spoke about uh, taking over the private roads and the county roads that are not county maintained. We had entertained a conversation about um, incorporating those into county maintained. Has that conversation gotten any headway? It's not something that we have... Been, been working on. I mean, I think what, what we would need to do is, uh, I mean, I know we'd need to just identify those lists of roads that are in the county that aren't maintained, and then you'd need to set some criteria. There is some criteria already hmm. uh, for picking up public roads. The board could change that, or it just needs to relook at its criteria for accepting roads. Trent was looking at some other counties, too, as to what they were doing. 
Okay. Yeah, but this was something that we spoke about earlier and we're supposed to follow it up on. Quite honestly, you, you inherited that from us before you ever got here. We were dealing with <laughs> All right. that issue. Okay. I, I know one, one thing about that is I, I think we were, um, it was kind of etched in stone about the width of the road and the condition of it when we when we do accept it, it had to be brought up to a certain standard. And you know, let's say if you, you got a road with um, that need to be 22 feet, but then it's it's, it's a road that um, that we access, and it may just be two houses down there. So you know, the 22 feet because it's not a bunch of traffic. You know, that may need to be modified. But that's that's something we could look at in in I think in each. Um, at each situation, each each location, I don't think you really need to be 22 or nothing. I don't think that you know, unless you got a bunch of traffic, 22 probably fits that bill. But I don't think for a couple of trailers or houses down a down a dirt road that you need 22 feet because it ain't that much traffic going down there. But we we can talk about that when the time. Well, I don't want to see us go back to what <laughs> District One had once before. We had a lot of roads. And they were taking off. They were taken off of the road maintenance list. And I know one road that is is about 50 feet wide, and it was taken off of the maintenance list. And I was not aware of it till later. And I, when I brought it to this board, there was all kind of stipulation that prevented it from going back on the list. So well, yeah, what you have to do, and, I, and my recommendation is that and I didn't know Mr. Long was was trying to work on that some, so I'll follow up with that. But is uh, I think you, you've got to look at your road criteria, number one, and then you've got to have a, a process for that, uh, which, which again, you've already got, but you can look at that. The other is we'll need to, to survey. You'll need to let us know to what extent you want us to survey the roads in the county that aren't currently on the list and, whether, and how extensive you want us to be, uh, whether that's every road uh, that is somewhat developed or whether there's a minimum of one house or two. I mean, because it'll take some, a little bit of time to do that. And then, of course, uh, based on what each commissioner wants to do, I would think in each district then, you know, then actually an assessment will get done on that road to see how much it will cost, mm -hmm. uh, whether there's sufficient drainage on there or whether we're going to inherit, you know, a road uh -huh. that may cost $200,000 to upgrade before it's, but, you know, all that can come before you for a decision. Then, Mr. Chairman, I just had a situation like that in my district where it's just a, a dirt lane with maybe going to one home. Right. And then you look over here, and, you, and they look like they've been cutting across this man's yard coming through over here. And uh, I know I remember sitting on the committee, I think Commissioner Stevens and myself and Chairman McGiver, and we made up that, that criteria. And I believe it had to have three homes, and they had to approach us as if to if they wanted us to take it over and it had to be brought up to standards. Cause I mean, this one I looked at the other day, they've got a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. There's no ditches. It's just a flat road with a bunch of big old holes in it. Needs a yeah. lot of dirt. In, in the but I, I, have, I have them in mind that that's the worst mess I've seen where they cut through Uncle Johnny's property over here. And it's just, you can't tell whose lands, whose, unless you had, look at the map, the county yes, GIS. I got a few of them also. <laughs> they cut through the yard. Yeah. And, the and it's just, and then before you know it, another Uncle Johnny's built behind that one. And it's just a, a creeping road. We'll put something together for you because the, the last part of that, and, you, and that's a perfect example of the road we looked at the other day, is yeah. you're going to have to have uh, deeded right away. Yeah. So 
the person that owns that land, if they're not willing to deed that right away, right. they'll have to do title searches. That's what we, be, that's what's the cost involved, Which is why I would suggest you take it as you want to take it and maybe mm -hmm. not in a conglomerate, uh, which is why y'all did that. Then we'll yeah. look and see, because if you can't get the right of way, that's right. then don't need to waste the money. You know, some of those time. trails may be running through somebody's property that <laughs> willing, isn't willing to say, I'm okay with, with Mr. Jones driving through there, but I'm not willing to Want give the road that over. Motor grader down and, there. And, yeah, so, so we'll have to approach it <laughs> one at a time. I mean, yep. we can do that. So we'll, we'll launch out on yes, that. Yes, sir. Not, not a problem. Uh, and then I received uh, what's going to be presented to you at your next meeting, which is an amendment to uh, probation and pretrial diversion service fees. If you remember, uh, we changed, the state court judge changed. Uh, the uh, company that they used last year, which is doing very well, and they've had a, they wanted an increase from 41 to $45, which is certainly not uh, unreasonable uh, from last year or this year. He's recommending approval and has signed off on it. And much like when it came before you before, uh, it's really his call, the commission just acquiesces that he is making that determination. So I don't, he dropped it off. I don't know whether he plans to come before you at the next board, but that'll be. Uh, that'll be something, sir, for you. I think, he, I think he needs to come before us. Okay. Um, couple, just a couple of announcements. Um, excellence is everything. The day one kickoff of the school, uh, first school day, school board is asked. Anybody wants to come to please come. That's on August the 2nd. August We've got information for that. You heard the chief mention the graduation, the first recruit, and we talked about the ribbon-cutting ceremony for Brabble Park. Uh, which is this Saturday from 11 to 2 over there. The only other thing I mentioned to you is that as staff, we have met on the solid waste polycart recommendation or talked about the, salt, the, the polycart, and we expect to have a staff recommendation as we promised we would back to the board in your next meeting. Do you have report, sir? Chairman, don't you have an Martin Jr. will be on Saturday morning at 9 o'clock at Brighton Commons. The only other thing, Mr. Chairman, is a short executive session for land acquisition. So, so, so move.
Maybe I got. So move, Mr. Chairman. I'll see y'all. Thank you for your kindness, y'all. Get back to the family. All right.